0: Okay, so let me let me tell you guys a story about me. Um, and you're going to be like, look, I know I have issues, okay? So like this is not like, you don't need to tell me I have issues. I've known I have issues. One of the things that I was super hard-headed about for a long time, one of the things that I was super hard-headed about for a long time was brushing my teeth. Okay, and you're going to be like, Lee, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'll be like, you know what? I know you're right. Okay, so it seems so simple, but I just was like, I just didn't really think it mattered. It would just be like, who cares? Not a big deal. And like I knew and it wasn't, I'll tell you, I would brush my teeth usually. But the one thing that I just did not like doing was flossing. Like I did not like flossing. I'm like, why do I want to do this thing that makes my teeth bleed all the time? Why would I want to do that? So I just, I just thought that like, I was above everyone else. You know, I thought that my dentist who went to school for a long time and got paid a lot of money, I just thought that he just didn't really know what he was talking about. I thought when I walked down the aisle in Target, that was an entire aisle dedicated to toothpaste, I just thought, that's not really important. Who cares if they have a, an entire aisle dedicated to that? To make matters worse, both my mom and my dad both had pretty serious dental issues. My mom, believe it or not, was born. It was a congenital like kind of defect. She was born without any enamel on her teeth. Yeah, like the, the enamel in your teeth is literally what keeps your teeth from like instantly rotting away. So my mom is like super careful about it, but because she didn't have any enamel, she was born like that. So you would have thought that like I would have seen my parents and been like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to take care of my teeth, but I was just really hard-headed about it. And so For a time, you know, I had a few cavities, but there was nothing really major. It wasn't that big of a deal. My dentist would tell me, you need a brush, you need a floss. My mom would tell me, you need a brush. And you know what? I would get a little nervous going to the dentist. I'd be like, oh no, what's going to happen? Am I going to have a cavity? But it never, like even having a few cavities never really changed anything. Um, I slowly believe more and more that even though everything said to brush and floss, I thought that doesn't apply to me. I simply... Even though I knew sort of mentally that it was true, I didn't really believe it because it never produced any action in my life. And all of all, all, it was fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. But then soon after I got finished with my undergrad, I'll never forget this, I started to have this pain in the back of one of my teeth. And like, it started out kind of like, just like a, a kind of a dull pain, and then it got sharper and sharper to the point where like my head was throbbing over a couple of days. And so I went to the dentist, and the dentist is like, this isn't good. You need a root canal. And what that means is the infection in your tooth has gone all the way down to the root of your tooth, and that root is now infected. And they literally have to go in, and they have to actually, like, take the root out. That's what they have to do. And I can tell you, because of painkiller, the root canal in and of itself really wasn't that bad, but the pain of of needing that, of my tooth being infected, the root being infected, I had to be on ibuprofen every six hours. I would have to take an ibuprofen because my head would start hurting and my entire body would hurt. And so, you know, after that, that was kind of what finally hit it for me. And you know why? One of the big reasons? Guess who had to pay for it now? Not my parents, but Lee. Lee had to pay for it. And so it hit me. I was like, I don't want to have to spend this money and have this pain. So, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to stop being hard headed and i'm going to actually start brushing and flossing my teeth and now you're all going to say i'm crazy but when i go to the dentist i'm actually excited i'm going to be like i ain't gonna have no cavities today what do i do when i get out i text my wife i didn't have any cavities today it's like i'm i got issues i know and so if i could go back i would totally i would totally do the small things over time and skip all the pain i wouldn't be so hard headed so the question is why do i tell you this story not because i want to be a dentist or i'm trying to Propel anything here. Yes, you need to brush your teeth. But this story helps us understand what we're going to talk about today. And that is, we're going to talk about the heart of man. We're going to talk especially about how the heart of man can have a hard heart. We're going to talk about how does a hard heart happen, and ultimately, how do we defend against it? And this is today's main point. Today's main point is, a hard heart always has unbelief. A hard heart always has unbelief. Like In a simple way, I just didn't believe that anything could happen to my teeth. I thought, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I don't do what I'm supposed to. It's not a big deal. A hard heart always has unbelief. Now, I think there's, I think there's three kind of people in this room today. There's one. You're at a point where you're, you have a following heart. And the heart, the mind, the soul, the will, and the emotions. You have a heart that's genuinely seeking to follow Jesus. The second person in this room has a religious heart. A religious heart is the person that looks good on the outside, but on the inside, their heart is hard. And the third person is, you just have a hard heart. You are actively rejecting God. So you've got a following heart, a religious heart, and a hard heart. And you know, sometimes the hard heart can look kind of hard on the outside. Some people, their just appearance looks kind of hard, but it's not always like that. Some people can look fine on the outside, but they have this rejecting heart. And so, most likely, we're all at times a combination of the three of these. But we can all be a little bit more distinct in the heart condition that we have at differing times. So, today what we're going to do is, we're going to walk through two parables of Jesus to help us understand this idea of a hard heart, especially the religious heart and a rejecting heart. But before we get into the parables, I want you to just get a brief understanding of when the Bible says heart, like what does it really mean? This is what Hebrews 4.12 says. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what God's word does, is it, it discerns, it cuts to our heart. Obviously when it's, the Bible says heart, It doesn't mean our physical beating heart. It means our mind, our will, our emotions. This is what Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. When the Bible talks about a heart, it's really talking about our mind. But it's not just our mind like our brain. It's something more than that. It's kind of talking about our our mind, our soul, our will, emotions, kind of all put together. That's what our heart is. This is what Luke 6.45 says. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You know, often some of us will say something that we didn't mean to say. And we'll be like, I don't know where that came from. And you know what this Bible verse says? It came directly from your heart. For what you've allowed into it, your eyes, your ears, experiences in your life, what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. So the Bible is not talking about a physical heart, but the hub of kind of human personality, the things that we would normally think of the mind. So we're going to talk about two stories today. We're going to talk about two parables. And a parable is a fictional story used to help drive home a truth. So, often stories help us understand truths that we might not initially understand. Like, how do we understand a hard heart? Well, I hope these two stories are going to help you. So, this is what we're going to do. Leaders, in your folder, there's a sheet for everyone in there. We're going to actually walk through Scripture today. So, if you can hand those out. And we're going to start on the one in Matthew 1, 28 through 32. Everyone needs a piece of paper and a pen. Okay, so this is a by-yourself thing. I'm going to give you about five minutes, and then leaders, you can pick a couple questions from there and go over them if we need a couple more. Okay, all right. If you can uh, turn back up here. So it was, it was interesting. I gave the same message back in junior high last Sunday. And it was interesting giving in junior high because I felt like as I was giving it to them, a lot of them hadn't experienced some of the things in life that they had a, like they had a hard heart yet. And so I think it was helping them prepare, hey, how do, I, how do I resist this? But as I was teaching last week and preparing last week into this week, I was thinking about you guys a lot because you're at a point now in high school where you've gone through things. You've seen enough that you can have a hard heart, whether that be that religious heart or that rejecting heart. And so it was just interesting to me kind of comparing junior high to you guys. And I know and some of you here, not all of you have a hard heart. You have had at times, but there's some of you here that do have that that hard heart. And and this first parable, I think the person that this first parable is speaking to, and Jesus is obviously speaking to the Pharisees when he tells this, to, to the religious leaders. But I think he's calling out that religious heart in this first one. He's saying, you look good on the outside, but there's unbelief on the inside, because That first, the second son says to him, or the first son says, oh yeah, I'm not going to do it. Just right to his face, rejection. But then in the end, that son has a repentant heart and says, man, I've wronged the father. Let me go back and follow and obey what he says. The second son has a, I would say has a religious heart because he says, you know, oh yes, I'll do what you say, father. Look good on the outside, but on the inside, total rejection. Which, in one sense, to me, is almost worse, only because he knew what he was going to do in the beginning. He knew he was going to say to his face, I'll do it, but he was going to walk away and not do it. And so, I think this, this partially, is when it says Jesus gets us, he's saying he gets our heart. Not because he experienced it, but because he knows it, and he sees it. He's kind of calling out those in the room that look on the outside who do all the Christian things on the outside, but on the inside, you're rejecting God, leaning into your own wisdom and your own ways. Everybody would look at you. This was me. Everybody would look at me in high school and be like, he's a good kid. He goes to church. He does all the Christian things, but on the inside, totally rejecting. And you know what's really interesting is that a lot of, I bet you the second son would look at the first son kind of like in the prodigal son. And he would say, oh, dad, why would you, why would you love the son that told you to your face he wasn't going to do what you wanted? And he would be mad that that, set, that, that first son probably had a closer relationship with the father. And there's, there's honestly, there's some of you in this room, I think if I'm honest, there's some of you in this room that see other people who have lived a life that you're like, they weren't as good as I was, and then maybe they came to Jesus. And they're starting to change, and you kind of start looking at them like, but hold on, I did all the right things. Why Why do they seem like they're closer to you, God? And you're almost kind of jealous of them. You're almost kind of mad at them. And I think that religious heart says, I've done all the right things on the outside, but on the inside, my heart is rejecting God. And he's like, come back to me. Come back to me. Realize it's about a relationship with me. Son number two looked good on the outside, but on the inside, his heart was hard. Son number one looked hard on the outside, but ultimately, his heart was obedient because he realized his own wickedness. He realized his own sin, and he came back to the Father. You know, that, that kind of religious hard heart, can, can it doesn't happen instantly. It happens over time. When I started playing hockey uh, when I first started playing hockey, I remember I would get, you guys ever ice skated and got those terrible blisters on the back of your feet? Anybody? Anybody with me? A few of you? Okay. If you've ice skated for any length of time or roller skated, man, you get these terrible blisters on the back of your heels or wherever it may be. And I remember when I first started playing, I would get these terrible blisters. But then over time, I started to build up this callus. So, you know, again, I'm, I've just been really vulnerable with you guys say, I got this piece of like skin on the back of my heel that's like that thick. So I could go ice skate now for like three or four hours and it wouldn't hurt. Um, and that's because over time I built up this callus, and I think that's a lot of times, I know it's gross, I freaked everybody out. You're thinking about my feet, it happens. (laughs) Thinking about the dogs, as they say. Um, But that's what happens to some of you that are in this room, that are like, what are you talking about, Lee? I've been doing all the right things for a long time. I've been going to church, I've been doing all the right things, but I think you've been doing all the right things for the wrong reasons. And God's like, Come back and walk with me. Don't let your heart be callous anymore. Let me break through that callous heart. Have a relationship with me. Don't make it all about legalism and doing the right things. First one he calls out is a hard heart. Now, here's what I want you to do. On the back of that paper, there's another story. The parable of the tenants. Take about five minutes to meditate through that. Go ahead. Okay. All right, if you turn back up here. Let's... Uh, Take a couple things from here and then end and kind of apply this. You know, the, the tenets in this one, I think this hits some to just the rejecting heart, the hard heart that is just outwardly rejecting in the sense that the interesting part is to start at the beginning of this parable is, it says the master planted a house with a vineyard, he put a fence around it, he dug a wine press, he put a tower on it. Like this wasn't the master who just said, oh, here's a little plot of land go do something. He's like, I'm going to get it all set up for you. This will be a really nice vineyard. Now come take care of it. And I think in the same way, that's, that's part of what we're going to talk about, winter a tree. What does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? Well, it's like, God's like, I have created this world for you to live in, to be my tenants on this earth, to take care of it in many different ways. And so he, t- he gives it to the tenants and, and he expects them to take care of it. And they send, he sends the first servants back. And there's just this outward rejection of beating them. They send them again and they kill them. And then this is a clear picture that Jesus is sharing of the gospel here when he says he sends his son thinking, okay, they don't respect the tenants. And some of the tenants were, was John the Baptist was one of the tenants. If we look to the, if we kind of uh, put the picture in what was happening, John came as kind of this, John the Baptist came as this forerunner to Jesus saying, hey, I'm preparing the way. And they rejected him And then in the same way he sends his son, God sends Jesus. And what do they do? Ultimately, they kill Jesus. They put him on the cross. But there's this outward rejection, The story. How do we relate it to our lives? There's some of you that have seen God work. You come here quite often. You come to winter retreats and camps. You've seen God do things in your life that you know that it was God. But there's still this part of you that's like, my heart is hard. I am rejecting God. I don't care what God has to say. I am rejecting him. And the interesting thing is, when Jesus asked them, what should they do with the tenants? He asked the religious leaders. They, they're so honest. They're like those wretched and miserable, give them a wretched and miserable death. Let out the vineyard to the other tenants who will give them the fruits of their season. I, I, I mean, there's a part of part of me that goes, man, don't let a day pass if your heart is hard. And you know it. Come back to the Lord and say, Lord, will you make my heart of stone, a heart, of flesh. Don't let another day pass. To think that there's not going to be a time when judgment comes. If you're a follower of Christ, the judgment is not going to be whether you go to heaven or not. The blood of Jesus has covered you, but God is going to judge your works. Saying, come back to me. And if you're here today and you're like, I've never given my life to Christ. I would say today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Take that. So in this story, I think he's speaking to those that have this hard heart of just outward rejecting of God. God, I don't want anything to do with you. And it's all it, the signs are clear that God had set up the vineyard for them to live in, but they're rejecting Him. They've rejected the servants, and then they rejected His Son. And that's a picture of the gospel of how we reject Christ, but He's drawing us to Him. Now, I want to end here, and I just want to talk about how do you help prevent a hard heart? Right? I've, I go into if you go into the doctor's office, you see these different things in CVS. It's like be heart healthy, right? You see a box of Cheerios and you're like, be heart healthy. You know what I say? I don't care about those Cheerios. I want honey nut Cheerios because I want the sugar on them. I don't care about my heart. That's what I say. Um, let, me t- let me read you a quick quick uh, story here. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It's in Matthew 8, 14. It says, Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Now let me give you the background here. Remember when Jesus fed 5,000? Well, at this point, He's feeding again 4,000. Is, this is another feeding. It's the feeding of the 4,000. And, and there, was leftover, there was leftovers again. And the disciples were like, dude, how did we forget the bread? They only had one loaf of them. And this is what Jesus, just being as awesome as he is, he says, you know, he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and the, and the yeast or leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Did you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of bread pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. He's reminding them, do you remember when I broke five five loaves of bread, how many baskets you had? And then the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? And when he says the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod, what he's saying to them is, he's saying, don't let what you have seen God do and reject him, don't let that continue because what happens is that starts growing in you. Oh yeah, I'll get to God when I have time. Oh, I'll do the God thing, okay, I'll push him away. I'm rejecting God, I wanna do my own thing. I wanna experience the pleasure I want to he's saying don't let that grow in you because what happens is your hearts get hardened he's saying to the disciples why are you worried about not having bread when you've seen me provide all of this for you don't be blind to what i've done these eyes to see and these ears to hear are your hearts hardened it is an unbelief issue where is your belief in god it's a belief one to make him savior of your life to know that you can never do it yourself to trust in him And then as you walk with him, it's a belief to continue. say, God, I continue to believe what you can do in my life. Let me walk with you. A hardened heart comes from repeatedly seeing and hearing God and yet rejecting them. So here's a couple of steps to have a healthy heart. Number one, stay sensitive to the Lord. Stay sensitive to the Lord. Allow God to speak to you. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way Everlasting. Stay sensitive to the Lord. Allow God to look into your heart. And don't be scared that He's going to come and He's going to be like, You're so messed up. But know that yes, he's going to say, I want to shine light into that and what's going on. But I love you and I want to walk with you. Stay sensitive to the Lord. Number two, stay sensitive to sin. As you stay sensitive to the Lord, you become sensitive to sin. To sin. Don't let your conscience or your heart be hardened. This is what First 1 John 1:9 1, says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What he's saying there, you're not continually going back to God to confess your sins, uh, to find forgiveness of sins for eternal life, if you've already believed in him. He's saying to continue to confess those sins, to stay sensitive to the Lord, even if it's the smallest thing. Stay sensitive to the Lord in that. You know, some of you are like, cheating's not a big deal. I would disagree with that. I would say that that sears your conscience. That makes your heart harden. You say, what's well, not a big deal? I'll just do this. This little thing's not a big deal. And your heart begins to become hardened. It begins to become callous. And that one thing that wasn't a big deal, now and you thought that other thing was a big deal, all of a sudden you start walking down that road and then this other thing's not really a big deal. Stay sensitive to sin. Go before the Lord and confess it to him. Number three, stay sensitive to God's word. A pastor probably 12 years ago told me this quote. He said, either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And I saw that so true in my life. As I start kind of walking further from the Lord and sin, missing God's mark of what he wants in my life, starts to become not a big deal. All of a sudden, I really don't care about God's word as much. I really don't want to go to it. Why? Because I know it's going to speak to my life. It's probably going to call me out some. Stay sensitive to sin, but stay sensitive to God's word because it will keep you from sin. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Stay sensitive to God's Word. Allow it to speak to you. That means like when you come here on a Sunday, don't just, don't just come just to hear it. Come to apply it to your life. When you come on a Wednesday night, dig into God's Word. When I give you a sheet like this, dig into it, apply it. And lastly, stay sensitive to obedience. Do what you know to do. Don't let time pass. Whether that be staying away from sin or whether that be following to what God is calling you to do. Stay sensitive to obedience. Do it when God calls you to do it. This is what James, I'm going to end here. This is what James 1, 22 through 25 says. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's God's word, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Be sensitive to obedience and walking with the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. That Psalm verse is the last slide. As the worship team comes up here, I want you to just be quiet and read that verse and just ask God to search your heart. Take a minute. Let God search your heart. When the worship team's ready, we'll start worshiping. But just take a minute and look at that. And when you want to pray, bow your head, and then we'll worship.